Holy Spirit, um, my words are literally of no value tonight. Unless they are of you. And unless you anoint them. I thank you so much for prayer, God. I thank you that we get to come to you. I thank you that the veil was torn in the temple. That we get to enter your presence. We get to engage with you. We get to encounter you. And you're a real person. Jesus, you're a real person. Father, you're a real person. Holy Spirit, you're a real person. And so I ask that you would really and truly and personally come and speak to us tonight about prayer. Lord, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. So I ask God that you would come. I ask that you would speak, that you would declare what you want to declare tonight about yourself and about our calling as believers, our calling as the church in prayer. God, I thank you that tonight, Lord, um, you want to put fire in our fireplaces of prayer. God, that we have a lot of fireplaces that aren't being used, Lord. We've got a lot of fireplaces with wood sitting in them, but there's no, there's no fire there. And Lord, you want to you start fires, God, in our secret place of prayer. So I ask that you would do that tonight and that you would have glory, that you would have your way. Lord, I pray, God, that you would silence anything in me that is not of you. I pray, God, that my flesh and um, any distractions or attempts of the enemy to sway what you want to do tonight, God, would be bound away in the name of Jesus Christ right now and that you would come and that you would speak to us, Father. We love you. Submit myself to you, Jesus. Come and have your way. Amen. Okay, so um, I'm going to start by uh, just saying a couple things. One is that, um, well, I think I told you guys last year that my love language is quality time and attention. So if I can tell you're not paying attention, it hurts my feelings. Um, So just saying. Um, now, thankfully, like, the Holy Spirit's really good, and God satisfies, so it's not that you complete me or anything, it's just, I just need you to pay attention. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, okay, but, but no, the, what I really want to say is, um, when my dad asked me to talk about prayer, I have never been so excited to talk on a topic before. Never have I been so excited. And what do I normally talk about when I speak? Like, what, throw out some things I've talked about. I talk about Jesus, okay, yes, but usually I talk about human trafficking, homelessness, poverty, justice issues, right? Like, you know, okay, Hannah's going to try to get us to go downtown or something if I'm coming up here, right? Like, or Hannah's going to be asking for money for girls in prostitution, like, which are all really awesome things that I love talking about because God is doing stuff, Um, but I've never been so excited to talk about a topic, Um, and so I'm trying to keep my excitement, like together so I can say what I believe the Lord wants me to say. So just bear with me um, if I get really excited um, about prayer. Um, I'm also going to do my very best to honor your time. So can I have somebody um, who's kind of in charge-ish just like stand up in the back and wave at me if I'm not honoring time? Okay, Mike or dad or someone. Um, That would just be great. Okay, so uh, the real main first thing that I want to say is that prayer is a mystery. 
Also, maybe next year, not popcorn. It's so crunchy. I'm so distracted. Crunch, 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 crunch. It's just like everywhere. Wow. Wow. That's difficult. <laughs> that's like cakes, maybe muffins. I don't know. Those are quiet. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. But prayer is a great mystery. And um, I was thinking the other day as I was praying about sharing on prayer because it's a huge topic. And some of you know I try to shove way too much into one message, um, i.e. summer camp last year, campers. I don't know if you remember. That was out of control. Sorry about that message. Um, but uh, prayer is a, mess- is a mystery. And I was thinking the other day, like, Lord, speak to me more about prayer. Speak to me more about prayer. And um, all of a sudden, this lady walked by with this baby. And this baby was crying. And the Holy Spirit was like, prayer is like an infant's cry to its mother. And I'm not a mom, but for those of you who are moms, you know when your baby's crying, and you even start to learn what they mean by the cries. You know, I hear your baby cry, and I'm like, turn it off. And you hear your baby cry, and you're like, oh, just needs a snack. Like, you know, you can interpret that baby's cry. And that cry is out of complete dependency. And so prayer is this weird mystery where it's an infant's cry out of complete dependency that the father, the parent heart of God knows perfectly what we're saying when we're going, he knows exactly what we're saying. He can perfectly interpret that, right? But then at the same time, we have that lowly, dependent, clinging, precious, intimate, tender space right there with the Lord in prayer. But then at the same time, prayer is related to the priesthood and to governing and to ruling into intercession, and into this high place where we're actually affecting change on the earth. And so I just want us to, to just kind of understand that prayer is a mystery. Like, I don't understand how I, Hannah Victoria Vaughn, made out of the dust, can say things to God. He can say things to me. I can say more things to God, and then he does them on the earth. I literally don't understand how that happens. I just know that it does, and I just know that the Word says that it does. And so, so I'm, I'm not talking about prayer because I'm an expert. I'm not talking about prayer because I have a full understanding. I'm talking about prayer because it's a privilege. It's an honor. I have to pray because I'm an infant crying, and I get to pray. I get to partner with Jesus and what he's doing in the earth, and, and, and it's so exciting. And so I'm talking about prayer from this place of mystery. I'm talking about prayer from this place of awe. Um, So I just want you to know that. I just kind of want to invite you to that position as well. I want to invite you to a position of total dependency as well as partnership with the heart of God in the earth. So, yeah, it's this this great great mystery. And, um, And thirdly, what it also is that makes it even more mysterious is that it's actually an invitation Um, into the Trinitarian fellowship, into the heart of God. Um, You, we're going to talk about this in a second, because I'm going to talk about the centrality of prayer, but when we pray, we're we're entering the heart of God. There's a conversation going on between the Trinity, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, another mystery. Let's not try to understand that. Let's just say yes, Lord, and amen. And And then he says, come. Come in, hear what I'm saying, see what I'm doing, join with what I'm doing. And we're invited into the fellowship, perfect fellowship. Tozer called it the fellowship of the burning heart. He described God like a burning heart. 
You got that from Hebrews, right? All-consuming fire. And we get invited into what an all-consuming fire is thinking and feeling and doing. When I talk about prayer like this, I start to go, why don't we pray? Like, I, you know, it just blow, it starts to blow your mind, right? You're like, what am I doing with all the other hours of my day? <laughs> like, I could be fellowshipping with an all-consuming fire. I don't, I don't know why we don't. Um, and so... I want to approach this prayer thing with humility and, um, and I want to approach it also just with poverty of spirit in the sense of saying, like, we need the Lord to teach us about prayer, right? His disciples say that to him. We need the Lord himself to teach us about prayer. We can't just, um, I was thinking when I was preparing, I was like, oh, I could talk about the different types of prayer. And I was like, you know, I'm not, this isn't a textbook because, the, because prayer is a conversation with our God. And so, um, so I just want to invite us to a place of humility as we talk and as we press into what, what prayer is and what it looks like for the church to be in prayer. Yeah, so uh, just a brief testimony of, of um, the partnership of prayer. Um, as you guys know, my heart has been broken for many justice issues and many compassion issues um, related to human trafficking, poverty, um, racial tension, you name it, and the Lord has like thrown me into the midst of it at some point. And before I went to India, some of you know I was in India in 2012, and I lived in a safe home for girls who had been sex trafficked. Um, they were all HIV positive. And um, before I went, the Holy Spirit, uh, I was just, you know, praying. I was like, God, I, I need to know how to prepare for this. How do I prepare for this? You know, and I'm reading books and learning, and it's all really good. And the Lord said, I want you to commit one hour of every day to praying just for the issue of human trafficking just for the issue of human trafficking. You don't get to like, you know, slide in other things there. It's, this is just for the issue of human trafficking, one hour a day. And I was like, oh Lord, I don't leave for like a whole year. <laughs> it's like 365 hours. And, um, on top of the other hours that, you know, we're talking and then I'm reading and I'm still in college and social life things. And, um, things happened in that, that hour a day with the Lord and one of the things that happened was one night I prayed um, specifically for miraculous deliverance um, of girls as they were um, like miraculous deliverance from death of girls in India who had been trafficked. And um, when I got to India, I mean, there were just things that I was praying for specifically, angelic rescues, okay? Get to India, living in this home with this girl, the girls, um, one of the girls, whose name was Kalpana, shared with me her testimony. And she said, yeah, one night um, I ran away from the brothel. I tried to commit suicide and I was laying in a gutter and two men in bright white came and they picked me up and they took me somewhere and they took care of me. And when I woke up, I was healed. I was fine. And so I'm not saying I did that. I'm saying the power of God did that, but God wanted me to enter into that moment through prayer. And so I, 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 came from this place of activism and this place of, I want to like save the world and see girls come out of trafficking. And, and I want that, but I understand that if I, I can go and labor for that in the flesh all day long. And if I'm not with the Holy spirit and what he's doing, then it's literally just going to be of the flesh. Our works are going to be tested by fire one day. And I want mine to stand. I want mine to stand because I've been doing what the Lord is calling me to do and I've been entering in with him. And so I just want us to understand that prayer is a very real thing affecting very real changes and we are not to take it lightly. Um, and so my testimony with prayer is that God has just shocked me <laughs> in what he's done when he's invited me to partner with him in prayer. Um, 
If you, if you look at Romans 8, 34, um, I have a lot of scriptures on these pages. I'm not going to turn to every one. I kind of talk out of scripture a lot, so you'll hear biblical phrases. Um, but for the sake of time, we won't turn to every single one. But Romans 8, 34 talks about Jesus as the great intercessor. And so I do just want to look at that really quick. So Romans 8, 34 says... Um, Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And um, there are other translations that say lives to make intercession for us. And uh, so Jesus was a physical man on the earth, right? He had a real body and um, really walked the earth. And then he ascended after he was raised from the dead. He didn't vaporize, vanish, disappear. And he's doing something right now. And right now he is interceding for you before the Father. He is interceding. He is actually doing something in heaven. And so the Lord, you know, in those hours that I was praying before I went to India, the Lord was like, I'm inviting you to be with me where I am. I'm inviting you to pray for something. I'm inviting you to stand next to me as I make intercession. And if we love Jesus, we want to be with him where he is. And so so my testimony with prayer is that it's a glorious partnership. And I've just been so thankful and honored to be invited there with the Lord. Um, so, yeah, but I also just want to talk briefly um, about the centrality of prayer. Uh, I think sometimes my, one of my seminary professors, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm in seminary right now, and uh, at a very reformed PCA seminary, which is awesome, and I'm really thankful for it, but I'm usually like one of the only girls. Um, and also maybe one of the only worship leaders and, and so it's just, and just maybe one of the only expressive worship leaders. I don't know. It's just, it's real fun. It's just real, it's just real fun. You know, like people at my seminary, people at my seminary come up to me and they're like, you have something that I don't. And I'm like, that's bad. Like we're a seminary. Y'all are the future pastors of America. Like we got some problems, <laughs> like Holy Spirit come. So, um, and that's not anything about me. That's not anything about me, okay? I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm cool, or I'm great, or God uses me, or something. I, we're, we're, just, we're just the dust. We're just the dust. We're just the clay. We're just the, the dirt, you know? And, and he loves us a lot. And my speck of dust isn't better than yours, right? It's just whether we are looking at the one that wants to use us, whether his hands are on us. So you guys making fun of me back there? A little jumping. Okay, so, um, so where was I going with that? Oh, the centrality of prayer. That um, my my seminary professor uh, makes this joke all the time, and he says, whenever I lead a Bible study, we could be talking about tithing, or we could be talking about you know um, parenting, or we could be talking about anything. And he says, you know, I read a verse and I say to my congregation, what's the application from this verse? And he says that everybody always leaves Bible study going, oh, well, I really, I really need to pray more. Really, yeah, I just need to pray more, you know? And, and that everyone says they need to pray more. And he says, but no one ever does. <laughs> and he's like, so my Bible studies keep ending with I need to pray more. I need to pray more. And he's like, they're getting really boring. So, um, so I just, I just want to talk about the centrality of prayer in scripture and in the people of God, um, in the, in the life of the people of God. I'm going to breeze through some, some things really quickly. 
And then I'm going to get to obstacles to prayer, because I think if we don't understand what is keeping us from prayer, we won't pray. Um, so, yes. So the centrality of prayer, um, creation began with a conversation in the Trinity. Genesis 1.26, the Trinity is having a conversation. Let us make man in our own image. And then Adam was birthed into relationship with God, and God said something to Adam, Right? So creation comes from this place of conversation, of prayer, all right? We were birthed into conversation with God. And so when we have a new birth now, going from being in Adam to in Christ, we've been birthed into communion and conversation with God. And so creation, as well as salvation, had this model. And then when God chooses a people, he chooses the people of Israel. And in the life of Israel, um, for those of you who may not be super familiar with the biblical story, God chooses a nation so that he can bring forth a savior to rescue man from sin and all the effects of the curse. And so Israel, the people of God are chosen. And worship and prayer and communion with God and intimacy with him in his presence were central to the people of Israel. Central. Okay? And when I say central, I mean their king. Let's go to Psalm 27. I live in the Psalms. Um, if you want to learn to pray, I just want to invite you to live in the Psalms. Like if somebody says, where do you live? Like just answer, I, I live in the Psalms. Like you need to, you need to live there to learn to pray. So Psalm 27, this is David writing. Who's David? Anybody know? King of Israel, right? So the King of Israel was supposed to be the model Israelite. He was supposed to model to the people of God what it looked like to walk with God. That was his job. And so we have this King David saying um, in verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And you can also translate that inquire word as meditate, to be in this place of communion and conversation with God. Um, this is a king of an entire nation. And this is his life goal. This is how he defines success. So just pause for a second. Like, we got to understand what this means. What if the president of the United States of America, and I'm not going to make any election comments because I'm not sanctified enough to make any election comments. I, I, just, I, I, just, I just can't. Like, yeah. Anyways, so, but what if, just for a second, what if the leader of the United States of America said, it is my one goal that I could be in the presence of God and see him and talk to him and meditate on him and inquire of him in his temple. Did you guys know that's a, that's a, that's a thing? A, a guy did it. David, King David did it. He wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. Adultery, murder, lots of problems. Lots of problems. Okay. But he did, he did it. This was his one goal. This was his one thing. And so for the nation of Israel, th their entire life was supposed to be revolving around the presence of God that dwelt in their midst and around the king being before the Lord and around the priesthood being before the Lord and being able to instruct the people in the ways of God. And so prayer has been central to the life of God's people. Okay? We're the church. We're God's people right now. And so it'd be, it should be just as central, if not more central, to our lives. And then as Jesus comes to the earth, right? 
Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth. Mm. Um, as Jesus comes to the earth, he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the da 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 Josh and I one time did this little quiz. I would say the first part, and he would say the second part, and he got them all right. It was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I didn't even know what they all were. He got them. Um, okay, but my point is that uh, the Sermon on the Mount is this insane standard, right, that Jesus sets for what life is supposed to be like. He says that if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery. He says that if you are angry at your brother, you're committing murder. So then suddenly we're all like, um, we, we can't do it. Um, what do we do? And then do you notice what happens in the middle? The disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. We're all guilty. Teach us to pray. But, he, but, but that's, that's, it's central. If you talk to, um, again, like if you read commentaries on the Sermon on the Mount, they're like, whoa. Jesus teaches them how to pray right in the center of this thing, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew set it up that way. Prayer was supposed to be central. You will not be able to bless your enemies unless you are in conversation with the Most High God, unless you are that infant so dependent. You cannot. And so um, let's read the Lord's Prayer real quick. Matthew 6, we'll go to that um, that record of it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you notice something here? This is a plural prayer. It's us. It's our Father. We're going to talk about this in a little bit when we talk about obstacles to prayer. But one of the obstacles to true prayer is that we get so individualized. And there's totally a secret place, right, where it is just you and Jesus. Okay? There is that a secret place. But there are times we come together and we are a body. We. So when God looks at me, he's seeing you too. And when God looks at you, he's seeing me too. This is weird. I don't understand how it works. Again, mystery thing. Okay, we already qualified. This whole deal is a mystery. But Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And he says, our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. And so there's this sense in which there's a fullness of prayer that the people of God experience corporately. And it's, we can't just tuck ourselves away and say, oh, well, I, I prayed my prayers in, in the car on the way to work, which please pray in your car on the way to work. Like bless people who have to drive around me because I'm a real bad driver. But please understand, understand that there's a fullness of prayer that we experience as a corporate entity, as a body. And Jesus teaches us to pray that way. And he does that in, this, in the center of the certain Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus' life also shows us how important prayer is, that it is central. Again and again, we see Jesus withdraw to go and pray. Um, one of my favorite songs um, says, Jesus only did what he saw you do. He would only move when he felt you leading. He would only speak what he heard you say. Following your heart, following your spirit. How could I expect to walk without you? When every move that Jesus made was in surrender. 
how can we expect to do something that Jesus didn't even do? We cannot live prayerlessly as individuals or corporately. And so Jesus was walking in dependence on the Father, and he ran away, and he would be away with the Father in prayer. He would stay up all night praying sometimes. And then this is what hit me when I was prepping for this, was um, the end of Jesus' life on earth before the, before the cross was prayer. Um, I don't know if you guys have read John 17, but it's called the high priestly prayer. And Jesus spent the last hours of his life before captivity praying for you and me. And that should like wreck us to the core that the son of God thought it was worthwhile in his last hours on the earth to talk to God about you and me. We might be dust, but we're really important dust. And then you see him invite his disciples in Matthew 26. Highlight that. Just highlight it and go read it later. Just It's, it's in your notes. Circle that. Um, Jesus invites his disciples to sit with him while he is before the Father in, in like agony in Gethsemane. It says, you know, sweats blood. I think sometimes we don't want to pray because it's like actually a painful place. And we might have to experience some of the emotions that God has that are not always fun. And so we don't want to enter in. But Jesus says, can't you come with me? Can't you come? Like, I'm about to die for you. Can't you come? And so there's an invitation here into what Jesus Christ is thinking and feeling and doing. And he invites his disciples into that with him at the end of his earthly life before he um, dies, is resurrected, and is glorified. And then Pentecost. Yay! Um, guys, we couldn't even, like, I, I couldn't live without the Holy Spirit. I just, I couldn't. I can't. Um, and so Pentecost, Acts one fourteen. Um, sorry, I got a new Bible, and the pages are hard to turn. Okay, so Acts one fourteen, Jesus is like, guys, I'm going up there. You guys are the church down here. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you with power. And then one fourteen, it says, his disciples, all these were with one accord. They were devoting themselves to prayer. So Jesus goes up, says, you guys need the Holy Spirit. Their response, devoting themselves to prayer. And so there's this sense in which the people of God actually became the, the people of God that had real power because they were sitting there in prayer in response to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit falls on them. Tongues break out. People get saved. Peter preaches about Jesus, paints this whole picture of what's really going on. And the church is endued with power to actually accomplish the mission of God in the earth. We don't just have power or an encounter with God, like, just so we can feel good. Like, I mean, by all means, the, Psalm 16 says that there are pleasures at the right hand of God. There is fullness of joy in his presence. There is actual fullness of joy in his presence. Like, not a joke. He's so serious about giving us true joy. But 
He's also serious about enduing us with power so that we can lay down our lives on this earth right now to see people meet Jesus. And so that happened in the context of the, of the apostles and the disciples being together in prayer as a corporate entity. So there are things I think that God actually wants to do through our church that are going to happen from our prayer meetings. So by you not showing up, I'm sorry, this is going to hurt. By you not showing up to pray, you're either A, missing out, or B, hindering what God wants to do through our community in the earth. And that's not me saying, like, you didn't come and sing my worship songs with me. Like, dude, my voice is crazy sometimes. I'm real sorry you have to listen to it. But, but we got to encounter God together, guys. Like, we, we got people that need to know Jesus. We got sick people that need to get healed. We got, pe- we got people in bondage that need to get delivered. And if you think those things are going to happen by us not showing up to encounter God together, you're wrong. And I'm wrong if I think the same thing. And so we have to be aware of the fact that God moves powerfully on his people when they come together to pray. Um, and then let's not go to letter F at the moment. We'll close with letter F. Um, we'll talk about Jesus' return in prayer. I'm going to go through these next points pretty quick. But please, you guys still with me? Are we okay? We're here? Okay, good. I, pl- I thank you for your time. I really want to honor it. So I'm going to do my really, my, my bestest of my bestest to, to get through these next points. Um, I just want to talk for a second about obstacles to prayer because the picture that I've painted or that scripture has painted is pretty awesome. Correct? Right. So, so then you sit here and it's like, okay, so why don't we, why don't we pray? Um, it's the weirdest thing. And, um, so I just want to talk about a few things. Uh, first, we have a lot of spiritual obstacles to prayer. Uh, first thing is that there is so much spiritual warfare going on all around us all the time. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, so you guys know I'm a worship leader, right? And I'm up here every week, and I get really excited, and I love Jesus, and it's my job to just do that up here um, and hope that we all go there together. Um, but, but what you don't know, and here I'm going to get really vulnerable, is that sometimes I walk off the stage, and I'm like, I hate myself. And I just, I just, everything's wrong with me and I'm ugly and I just don't want to do ministry anymore. And it's just, uh. and then my mom will be like, okay, Han, I just need to break some oppression of the enemy off you. So just come, let me just pray over you for a second. And, and it's, but the thing is, what I'm saying is it's so real. So some of the, sometimes you come into worship or you come into pray or you go in your prayer closet at home to pray and you're like, why do I suddenly hate myself? Or why am I suddenly angry at my brother or my whoever? Dude, Satan, that's why, okay? He does not want you to pray. He does not want you talking to the king of kings. Can you start talking to the king of things? Things are about to get crazy, all right? So you have to understand there is so much spiritual warfare going on around you all the time. It's amazing the kind of attack and chaos that is released in our heads and our hearts and even our bodies when we set ourselves to pray. Sometimes I sit down to pray and suddenly I'm so hungry. I'm like, I just ate lunch. I don't, I don't need to eat. I can just pray right now. I don't need to get up and go whatever, you know, or I sit down to pray and oh my gosh, I got a headache. Like I can't focus right now. I have a headache. Like what is going on? Satan, just like rebuke that stuff and get on with your prayers because God has things to do. Um, The other thing is sin. If we are walking 
actively in sin. Okay, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not telling you that if you stumble, you can't pray. That's not, this is not a perfection thing. I'm not saying we earn, we don't earn prayer. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ on the cross, his blood, the blood of perfection, purchased every sinning that we have before the Father. Okay, I'm not talking, please don't hear me say that because you have sinned, you cannot pray. That is not what I am saying. What I am saying is that if you are consciously walking in sin, actively choosing it, habitually walking in it, you're not going to want to pray. You just won't. And so, um, so if that's going on, we just, we need to get some freedom. We need to get some repentance so that we can engage because that's, uh, it's a real deal. Um, and then this is the kicker. The other reason we don't pray is, dad, I bet you know what it is. What's the last biggest, most intense reason we don't pray? (sighs) Anybody, anybody, any takers? No, but that's good. That's good. I'm going to, that's in my cultural factors in a moment. That's just real good. No, we got time. Unbelief! Nailed it! Crushed it! Good job! Do you know why we don't see sick people getting healed? Because we don't believe that Jesus wants to heal sick people. My dad preached on faith on Sunday. And, and I'm not sitting up here saying, oh, I have the most faith, and I... I'm, I, I've got faith down. Not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that the reason we don't pray is unbelief. And I'm not just talking about prayers for the miraculous. I'm talking about we don't pray because we don't actually think God even hears us, cares to hear us, or wants to hear us. But Second Chronicles says that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth, searching for one whose heart is blameless towards the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are like looking for your heart to be engaged, to be looking at him. Like an all-consuming fire wants your attention, and he wants your prayers. He wants my prayers. He wants our prayers as a community. But we don't believe that, and that's what hinders us from praying. Um, and I have some scriptures that you can check out at some point. Matthew 7 um, says that, you know, if we ask in faith, we shall receive. John 15 says, whatever you ask the Father um, in my name, you will receive. Hebrews 6 and 7 talk about Jesus being our forerunner, having gone before us, and we can approach that throne of grace in our time of need. And we're just supposed to hold fast to that confidence. And so unbelief, I believe, is the number one reason why we do not pray. But there are some cultural factors as well. Um, And we live in America, and I'm so thankful for our country. Um, And as much as people want to stand up and decry and be like, America is just going to the dogs or whatever they want to say, I'm I'm aware of the issues in America. Um, I live here too, right? But God's bigger than the issues in America. So before I say anything negative about American culture, I just want to say God's doing a work in our nation. I believe there's an outpouring of his Holy Spirit coming, and I believe we should be praying so that we catch it too. Um, otherwise, we're going to miss out on what God's doing in the earth, and I don't, I don't want to miss out. Um, but there are some things I will say. American culture is an impatient culture. We are microwave people. We are fast food culture. 
but Christianity does not condone microwave-style prayer. And we want to be like, can I punch in the 30-second button and suddenly, like, get the heart of God? Um, and again, I'm not talking about earning. I'm just talking about treating God like he's a real person. Because you don't treat your wife or your husband or your friends that way. If I spent 30 seconds with you per month, would we be friends? Negative. It's, it's not complicated. And so if we want to spend time in prayer, we have to overcome this American um, idea of just like, doot, 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 done. Also, we're an overstimulated culture. Cell phones, social media, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, which are great um, but addictive, have destroyed our ability to engage calmly and contentedly in prayer. Raise your hand if you have sat down to pray and suddenly you're checking your email. 30 seconds later, you're like, I don't even know how this happened. Instagram, Facebook, anyone, literally, all the time, I sit down to pray and I'm like, how did, how did I get on Instagram? Like something took over my body and I'm on Instagram now. I was supposed to be talking to Jesus, but I'm on Instagram. I don't know how it happened. Okay. But this is so real. This is so real. So we have to overcome this. We have to understand that this is a reality of our culture. Say, Hey, you know what? Jesus is more worthy of my attention. So I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to understand the obstacles I'm facing, overcome them so I can engage with him. Um, we're also a material culture. We are about facts, formulas, and things we can touch. We struggle with the invisible and with the mysterious. That's the other reason we don't pray, because I said it was a mystery. It's like, if I said, like, hey, can you cry like a baby and then see nations change? You'd be like, what are you, what are you talking about? But that's what prayer is. And so it's a mystery. And because it's mysterious, because we can't always see God in our room or in our prayer meeting, sometimes we show up, guys, and we might not feel anything. I believe more often we should feel something, but, but we don't always. That doesn't change the Lord. <laughs> My ability to sense him does not change the fact of his presence. Okay? And so we need to understand that. And we need to grab hold of that by faith and run in to the place of prayer as a community and individually. American culture is an entitled culture due to our affluence. We expect certain things to be done for us without even asking. Scripture says that we have not because we ask not. Like so many times I'm like, God, why am I not seeing this happen in my life? And the Lord's like, oh, first time we've talked about it. Um, so we're just really entitled. You know, I've lived in other third world nations and like we have toilets that flush. All that junk goes away. And we think it should be that way. And thank God it is over here. But guess what? That makes us entitled that things shouldn't be difficult. Things shouldn't take time. And that we shouldn't have to ask for anything. The Lord loves when we ask for things. The Lord loves when we ask for healing, deliverance, change, holiness. Mm. He wants like I said on Sunday, he wants your deliverance more than you do. He wants wholeness in your life more than you do. He wants freedom in your family more than you do and in your household. Like, he wants these things, so he just wants you to ask for him. Good father who gives good gifts. Not saying he's going to give it tomorrow, but I'm telling you he's faithful. And we need to ask. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And when we do ask for things, we usually do so with a consumeristic mentality. Um, and prayer becomes about what we can get out of God 
instead of about entering into that fellowship of the burning heart, like I was talking about. Um, so we do need to ask for things, like I said before, but also God's not my vending machine. He ain't my sugar daddy. Um, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords who holds me like a baby. Mystery, don't understand it. Blows my mind. John Calvin, speaking of reformers, um, John Calvin, he said, you know, sometimes when you're doing theology, you just have to stop writing books and you have to start worshiping because it's so mysterious. Mystery leads us into worship. And so there are, there are things about prayer that I don't understand, but, but we're not in prayer to get stuff out of God, like just for ourselves, right? Instead, it needs to be a mentality of partnering with God and aligning ourselves to God's will. Uh, last two things. Um, American culture is an individualistic and independent culture. Prayer is literally the antithesis. That means the opposite, like the most opposite thing of independence. Prayer is total dependence. Like, I go in my room and I talk to someone that I can't see because I can't love very well. Some people would think that's crazy, but Jesus says that's prayer. Like, those of you who know me, like, I'm a know-it-all. I'm not that patient. And I have to go pray and say, Jesus, help me. And I'm talking to an invisible guy. I can't even see him. I'm just in my room talking. Help me love my so-and-so, whoever, whatever it is that day. And that is not independence. That's not individualism. That, but American culture loves independence, individualism, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can do it. We can conquer the world. No, you can't. But Jesus already did. So, yeah, there's that. Um, and then American culture is an efficiency culture. We want things done the fastest way and the best way, and we want to know exactly how it works. Um, but prayer is about, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Prayer is about Intimacy not efficiency. But guess what? Intimacy is efficiency. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good because that's what Jesus came to restore. Um, it was our relationship with God, right? We were broken. We were fallen from grace. We were totally removed from him. As a cute baby, I know. I know. Remember, my feelings are getting hurt when you don't pay attention. Um <laughs> Just, I'm joking. That was just to be funny. Um, but like, if, if, when Adam fell and God said, you shall die, did Adam die at that moment? Physically, he didn't. But what did he experience with God? Separation. So if death is separation from God, and if Jesus came to reconcile us to God, then intimacy is the whole point. And so when we talk about prayer, and sometimes it's like, okay, well, I should pray less and do more. Listen, I have not met a person who I think should pray less. I, I just haven't met one. Because most of the time we're not actually praying that much. Um, but when we are in the place of intimacy with Jesus Christ, with the Father, and with the Holy Spirit, you will become an efficient Christian if you're worried about things being affected and changed in the earth, in your life, and in your family, if you want to see people get saved, go pray. 
If you need breakthrough for something, go pray. And I, I certainly don't want to be insensitive. I understand that there are, um, there are Job situations. But I think... Um, I just think we should not justify our lack of faith by claiming Job. Okay? And I think we need to be really careful because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I'm just going through a wilderness. And I think really what's going on sometimes is we're just walking in unbelief and we're not in fellowship with people. Yeah, you're going to be in a wilderness if you're not in fellowship with people. And so I just want us to be really careful when we claim some of these passages and places in Scripture where we do see the people of God go through things that don't make sense right? Job, righteous, holy man, going through stuff. And he's like, God, he's crying out. He's crying out. And some of you are like, Hannah, I've been crying out to God for this for years. And I would have to say to you, if you want to claim Job, Job's children actually did die. Job was actually on the street covered in boils. And that's just generally not our situation. And so I think we need to be really careful when we claim certain things in Scripture as a reason for us to stop praying. And I'm saying that in love. I'm saying that in love. I'm saying it because I love you. Jesus wants to bless you in the place of prayer. Okay, so I'm just, it might sound scary or whatever, but just take it to him and he'll deal with it. Um, and so I just want to close with this. Um, Thank you very much for your attention so far. Um, but I just want to close with this. There are things that happen to us when we pray. Okay? Individually, we are brought into intimacy with the Lord. He gives us joy in the place of his presence. We get united to the heart of God. We get wisdom on things that we didn't, like, have wisdom on before. We get understanding on things we didn't have understanding on before. You guys know how many times Sandy Sanders has told me like, oh, Hannah or Laura Dean, you guys are crazy. You guys are like texting me like, I was just praying for you really hard. And I'm like, you didn't know I was in my room, like battling the devil, you know? And they knew because they were in prayer. But it's so real. Or Kathy Grunder. One time I was in India and I actually thought I was going to die. I was like in this latrine and this is very gross. I was very sick. Won't show the details. But Kathy Gruner is like praying for me over here in the U.S. Tells me like 24 hours later because I'm like in this latrine and all of a sudden I just felt like the Holy Spirit just give me strength. Just get up and get home. How'd that happen? Kathy was praying. Okay. So there are amazing things that happen in the place of prayer and individually, but then corporately there are crazy things that happen. And I just want to share this. When we pray corporately, we become a communal stage. We become a congregational temple for the Holy Spirit to manifest his presence, his activity, the gifts, and the heart of God. I'm not talking about us just being like excited for the Lord. I'm talking about, I mean, which I want by all means. You guys remember I like messed up like 9 billion words in the first song tonight? I don't know if you saw that, but if you did, it was because I was so excited. I couldn't sing the right words. Um, so, yes, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Give us joy. We're going to get excited. It's going to be awesome. But he's also going to affect actual change, and he's going to do stuff because we become a stage for him to show up and get glory. When we lay down, he gets to like walk on us and be exalted. And it's awesome. And we need to desire that as a congregation. We need to desire that as a community.
Yeah. And young people, hey, y'all, young people, just thought, (laughs) Sean, that was good. Young at heart. I love it. Um, But young people, young people, guess what? God wants to do things through you. When I was like six or five or something, the Holy Spirit was giving me these crazy dreams and I'd go and tell my parents, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, guys, I had this dream and this guy in this armor came to me and he said this and my parents were like, the Lord, you know? So God wants to do things through you. I'm not telling you that every single dream you have, like your dream about your crush right now, probably not from Jesus. I'm just, I'm just qualifying some things so your parents don't have to deal with it like later. Okay. But (laughs) I'm just saying that like, um, (laughs) some of you college students are laughing too, because it's probably for you as well. Um, but no, the Lord wants to do stuff through you and he wants to talk to you and he wants to hear your heart. And I know that high school and junior high is really hard. It's really hard. Okay. So like if you're ages like 10 through 18, it's really hard. And some days you wake up and you're like, why do I feel like this? I don't even know. I just, I just want you to remember that God loves you and he's with you and he wants to talk to you that day. Like he wants to talk to you. He wants to engage with you. So please don't think that all this is for the grownups. I might need you to do something in my life. I always ask kids to pray for me whenever I'm going to go overseas. Like Haley, right? She was like praying for me so hard. Oh, so precious. But I always ask kids to pray for me because they actually believe God's going to do something. So much more effective than adults. So that being said, y'all need to pray, okay? You high schoolers, junior hires, you guys need to pray. God wants to talk to you. God wants to use you in the place of prayer. Um, but so corporately we become this stage and God shows up and he does stuff and it's amazing. And then outside of us, the kingdom of God is manifested. Okay. The kingdom of God shows up when we corporately come together, when we pray, when we get the heart of God on things, we pray for things. We see things that the Lord is doing in the earth, right? What happened at Pentecost? The kingdom of God showed up as they dwelt in prayer and they waited in prayer. So I just want to encourage us, um, you know, I didn't give you guys like a prayer manual because you have the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit. So I'm just not worried about that part of things. Um, but I, I just want us to understand the beauty and the magnitude of what we're being invited into as individuals and as a corporate body. And that I think our prayerlessness is actually hindering what God wants to do um, in this region of the earth. And um, so I think we need to repent of our prayerlessness. And I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit to set a fire in our fireplaces. Like, that was the picture I got before I came up here. I was like, fireplace, that's nice. Um, and the thing is, God will do it. He will meet you in the place of prayer. It's not a microwave. It's not a magic trick. It's an all-consuming fire, which is way better. Um, so I just want to encourage us with that. Um, and also because Jesus is coming back very soon. Um, in 1 Peter 4, 7, the Apostle Peter, you can highlight this verse. Don't worry, Dad, I'm closing right now. Um, I mean that the same way that you mean that when you say it. Um, <laughs> but 1 Peter 4, 7 says, 
the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober-minded so that you can pray. What is that about? Jesus is returning, and the apostle Peter says, Jesus is coming back. got to pray. Pray, 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 pray. Like, I would think, no, no, no. Don't we have to, like, work, 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 work? He's going to be back in a minute. We can talk when, we, when he gets here. But Peter's like, no, you need to pray now because he's coming. And there are things that are going to be happening over the next 50-plus years, maybe less, maybe more, who knows. But there are going to be things that are going to be happening that if we're not in the place of prayer, we're going to be standing opposed to Jesus on certain things, and we don't want to do that. It's going to come like a thief in the night. So if you're asleep, problem. As my brother Adam would say, rip. Um, and Revelation 5, 8 talks about this scene in heaven. Again, this is a mystery, okay? So I'm not giving you a theology, theological, sorry, theological, like, dissertation right now. I'm just telling you this is in the Bible, Revelation 5, 8. So it says that there's these bowls up in heaven that are going to get tipped over. And some things are going to start to happen in the earth before Jesus comes back. One of those bowls is filled with the prayers of the saints. So let's fill it up. Let's fill it up. Because Jesus wants to come back soon. He wants to set things right. There's enough wrong in the earth, yeah? So the end of all things is at hand. And I believe that God is calling us to be a church of prayer corporately as well as individually. So let's, uh, let's pray. Pray, me pray. You pray, me pray, me pray. Um, yeah, I just invite you to stand with me for a minute. Um, Father, we thank you that it's 940 on a Friday night, God, and that you're worthy of our time right now. God, we thank you that right now, um, wow. God, all across America, people find bars and strip clubs worthy of their time right now. And Jesus, we won't be, we won't be put to shame by that kind of devotion to sin. Right now, we will devote ourselves to you. We stand here, God, with full attention. Jesus, you are so worthy. God, we are so undone by the privilege and the honor to pray. That the Lord of the universe invites us into his presence both to give over our personal concerns, but you invite us there, Lord, because you want to give us your concerns, your heart, your desires, your beauty, your righteousness, your holiness, your thoughts, your will, God. God, we thank you for the place of prayer. God, right now as a congregation, we, Father, oh God, let this be a true prayer. Um, Jesus, please let this be a true prayer. God, we just repent of prayerlessness. God, we just repent of prayerlessness. God, we repent of talking to other people about things when we should be talking to you. 
God, we repent of not engaging, of judging others during prayer meetings, of being worried about what people will think of us during prayer meetings. You are so much more worthy, Jesus. Jesus, you bled so that we could come and pray. So God, as Liberty Christian Church, we repent of prayerlessness. We repent of ignoring your invitation. God, we repent of you standing at the door and knocking and us not opening the door. God, we repent of being like the five foolish virgins who didn't have oil in their lamps, who couldn't stay and wait and watch and be awake God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your forgiveness over us right now. We thank you that we don't stand under condemnation. We thank you that we're covered in the blood of Jesus. We're dressed in his robes of righteousness so we can come before the Father and he looks on us with delight and with pleasure. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside of us. Jesus, you said it was better for you to go away so that the Holy Spirit could be inside of us. God, that meant, that meant that greater works would we do. God, it was good when you were healing people and feeding people. But you say it's better if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So God, will we walk, Father, in such a way that that is so real, that that is so tangible, that that is so alive in our lives, God? Lord, and I thank you. I thank you that you move. God, we also just repent of unbelief. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Lord, would you uproot unbelief? God, I just, I just encourage anyone in the room, if, that, if you just know it's unbelief, I just encourage you to just open up your heart to the Lord right now. He wants to uproot unbelief. Maybe you've been disappointed by the Lord in major areas of your life, and you've been offended at him, and there's a root of bitterness there growing towards the Lord, and it's hindering your prayers, and God just wants to go whoosh, pull that thing out so that you can pray so you can talk to him, so you can have sweet communion again. God, would you come and would you up, uproot unbelief in this place? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you that you are so powerful. God, we also repent of pride. Lord, that we don't want to be the child that cries. We want to have the answers and we want to have it all together. God, forgive us for thinking that we don't need to pray. Forgive us for moving all the time without praying. Forgive us, Father, for evaluating things from only an earthly standpoint. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, would you grant this church faith? One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of faith. God, I ask specifically for a release of the gift of faith in this place tonight. God, and I ask for a yearning for prayer in this place, a yearning for your presence, Jesus, a yearning to adore you and to love you, to hear what you're doing in the earth, to pray back to you, God, the very things you want to do. God, will we pray according to your will? Father, teach us how to hear you. The psalmist says that you've given us an open ear to hear you. God, would you grant this church an open ear?
God, I thank you also that nothing is too small to be brought to you in prayer. God, in the little things that we despise and think that we can just deal with them on our own or think that they don't matter to you, Father, you are involved. We thank you for your intimate involvement, God. God, I ask that this church would know the fellowship of the burning heart. I ask that your kingdom would be released on the earth through this place. God, I thank you that you choose to use weak and broken vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Thank you, God. God, you said it was the poor and the meek and the mourning that we're blessed. We can do this. God, I thank you that this is not out of our reach, that your Holy Spirit actually empowers us to come in. Thank you, God. Jesus, I thank you that you're, you're, um, you're a Savior who wept over Israel when they wouldn't accept you and when they, they um, rejected you. God, we ask for forgiveness, Lord, for rejecting you. Father, individually, God, corporately, God, I pray that we would hear you weeping outside the gates of Israel, saying that you would just want to gather us under your wings like a mother gathers her children. God, you know our cries. God, and we just also repent of putting our trust in so many other things. God, we put our trust in our jobs for finances. We put our trust in our own strength for our marriages or for our families. We put our trust in our education. We put our trust in so many things. Or we put our trust in our government. God, we acknowledge that in these days, we want to turn to you. We want to turn to you, God. We want to be a church that turns to you, God, as things are shifting in the world. Jesus, as you're preparing to come back, it's going to be a fierce day. God, and we turn to you and we say, God, that we want to be dependent on you in prayer. Even when it's boring. Even when it's hard. Even when it's painful. We just declare our dependence. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. Exhortation on prayer, I wanted to say a word. We meet monthly uh, to pray, and of course we meet weekly, but we have a special prayer meeting once a month we call the Upper Room. And um, we've been incorporating worship into the evening, and um, I don't know if you've been there the past two months, but God has done amazing things. I mean amazing things. We've seen public confession of sin, repentance, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's like real church. Amen. And um, last upper room, I've, as we waited on the Lord, I felt impressed <clears throat> to ask the men to pray for their wives. Um, I don't know why, but I did. Um, 
And then the men came up and almost every man that prayed confessed that he was not praying for his family the way he should. That's what that's I think what she's talking about when she talks about prayerlessness. Um, uh, the the men are the head of their home. They are to govern their home through the word, the prayer, through their example. And they are to be covering their wife and children in prayer. And this is, this is elementary. I mean, it really is. But so many are not doing that. And I'm not saying that to shame you or guilt you. But I'm saying this because we have to remedy this. We ha- the, the, the church has to, we have to remedy this. Okay? And um, we don't need a new technique. We don't need a new anything. We just need to do what the Bible says. Okay? And here's what the Bible says. <clears throat> I desire... <clears throat> Paul speaking as an apostle, meaning with divine authority. I desire, therefore, that men pray. I desire that men pray. When we have prayer, open prayer on Sunday mornings, the women pray eight times more than the men do. When we have sharing, the women share more than the men do. I desire, God says, that men pray. It's not my will. It's God's will. And men, I just want to say that you need to take your place before God as the prophet, the priest, and the king of your home. You need to take your place. And as Hannah shared, there's obstacles. I understand there's warfare. I understand. But obstacles are not excuses. They're just obstacles. And we can overcome them if we will to. If we will to. Every man in this community, we have some guests here, but every man in this community should be at that prayer meeting. And you should be interceding with your brothers and sisters for your family, for your children, for your co-workers that don't know Christ, for your church. Because you are a priest before God. You are a holy priesthood before God. And the priest's main responsibility was offering up sacrifices and intercession for the people. Intercession. So this isn't a commercial for the for upper room. This is a plea for you for men to take their place because the Lord desires that men pray. It is astounding to me that he did not exhort the women to pray. Because he knew he didn't have to. 
very simple principle in the Bible. God commands to our weakness. And men have a weakness. And it's in this area. We need to remedy this. When we have prayer on Sunday morning, men, you need to be praying. When we gather for the upper room, you need to be there and you need to be praying. In your life group, you need to be praying. Many of the difficulties you're having in your home with illness, with rebellious children, with, with, your, with your, perhaps with your own spouse, it's partly due, if not mainly due, to the fact that you're not covering your home in prayer. You're allowing these things because you're not fighting them in prayer. Take your place. Any man want to say amen? amen? Take your place. You pray for your wife. You pray for your kids. You pray for the spirit of God to inhabit your home. You pray for, for financial prosperity for your family. You pray all of these things. And God wants to provide them. But we have to be men of prayer. So... I'm not going to call you forward tonight. Um, I know some of you have to leave because you have babysitters and that kind of thing. But, and if you have to go, then go. But don't walk out of the room and stand in the back and chat. If you have to go, go. But if you don't have to go, I want to just take a few more minutes and let the Holy Spirit apply to you everything you've heard tonight. And then tomorrow I'm going to set aside a time that's not on the schedule where we are going to corporately really pray. I mean really pray, corporately. We will set aside a time and we'll pray and we'll let the Lord lead that prayer time. And if we pray for 15 minutes, we might pray for two hours. Amen. We'll let the Lord lead that prayer time. Because we need to be praying together. But I want, I think what God wants us to do is receive really receive the things that we've heard tonight so I just asked Hannah to play quietly Um, I'd like us to continue in a posture of prayer bow your heads and I'm just asking you to listen and say God I've heard a lot tonight yeah I need to hear it all but what are you speaking to me what are you speaking to me